0: Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, "'Teacher, Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, the first married a woman but died childless.' The second and the third married her, and likewise all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had, married, was, had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God, because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. The gospel of the Lord. So the children want to come up for a little children's homily? Thank you, Bill. Oh, come on up, kids, come on up. There we go, yeah, come on up. I always have a seat right here. You can sit here. I saw a couple of the kids in the back, young people in the back. Come on up forward. If you're 12 or under, come on up. And if you, and your mom and dad, you can come up too if you want to. Hey, yeah, come on up here. Yeah. Anybody else hiding back there that's coming? Okay. You can have a seat if you want to. We're going to talk about what I've got in my little basket here. Have you all been looking at the trees lately? Yes. And what have you noticed about the trees? They're losing leaves. They're losing leaves, aren't they? They're changing colors. See, like... These are some trees, leaves I picked up off the ground. Here's a green one. And this one's kind of red, and a gold one. Now this one's kind of interesting. It's it's part green and part red. It's like kind of like in the middle of, and half yellow. It's like in the middle of changing colors. Mm-hmm. This happens every year, doesn't it? Have y'all noticed that every year? Here's a real dark one. What's your favorite color of leaves when they change? Red, red mine too, what about you? Gold. Gold is pretty too. Beautiful colors. That's right. It's a really pretty time of year because the trees start to change and start to lose their leaves. Now, what we know is that come spring, those trees that have lost all the leaves will start to get flowers and buds and they'll start growing leaves again, won't they? Mm -hmm. It's what we sometimes call the changing of the seasons. Now, one thing about life is that Just about everything in life changes. In fact, there was a time when I was your age and I was about your size. And then I grew up, I got older, I got fatter, my hair fell out, you know, and things change. One thing never changes and that's God. God never changes. So in life we see lots of changes and some of them are happy changes and some of them are sad changes. But in life there are lots of changes but the one thing that never changes is God is always with us and that is like the anchor that keeps us steady throughout our entire lives okay all right hey thanks for coming up all right you can go back there you go thank you Bill this is an interesting passage today that we have in the gospel isn't it First, let's talk about the characters, so we all know who these characters are. There are a couple of characters in this passage. The Sadducees, the Sadducees who don't believe there's a resurrection. They're identified that way. Now, who are the Sadducees? It's it's actually just a poor transliteration of the sons of Zadok. In Hebrew, it's it's Zadokim, the descendants of Zadok. Kind of sounds like uh, characters out of a Marvel movie, doesn't it? Zadok was the high priest for King Solomon. And so from his time up until the time of Christ, the sons of Z- the descendants of Zadok were priests in the temple and held a great deal of power, a great deal of sway, both politically and legally and religiously in the, in the temple. And so they were very important people. But since they were priests and they were descendants of Aaron and then descendants of Zadok, they got their authority from those first five books of the Bible that we sometimes call the Pentateuch or sometimes called the, the, law, the Law of Moses. And those first five books were the only books they recognized and used. And because of that, they didn't believe in the resurrection because the doctrine of the resurrection from the dead arises later in Israel's history. King David is one of the first to begin to hint at there being a resurrection of the dead when he writes in the 23rd Psalm, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But that theology developed through the time of the prophets and into, and especially in the Maccabean period. We heard the Book of Maccabees, right, in the Maccabean period, when the um, when there was a very clear understanding of the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. So the Sadducees or the Tzadokim, they didn't believe in the resurrection. The other group of people in this uh, in this drama in this passage we have today were the scribes, and the scribes were legal experts. They weren't priests. They weren't um, well, because the the religious law and the and the civil law, law were the same, they they were interconnected, but they weren't people who were particularly pursuing a spiritual life. They were people who were lawyers and judges, and so they saw things differently. And so you see, as the story plays out, the Sadducees are opposed to Jesus' teaching on the resurrection. But then at the end, after Jesus makes his answer, the, the scribes, the legal experts, are thinking like lawyers, okay? And they say, well, you've got a good point there, Jesus. We, we think you've got something to say. Right? Different players in this, in this gospel. Now, when Jesus is faced with this challenge, he appeals to a very, very famous passage that takes place in the book of Exodus. Exodus. And in this passage, Moses comes and he's faced with a burning bush. The, bush. the bush is burning, but the bush is not consumed. So there's some kind of a glowing light all around this bush. The way Moses described it, the bush was, was burning, but not being consumed. But basically it was, it was glowing, it was haloing, it was changing in colors and lights. And, and so he's watching this, and a voice comes from the bush that says, Moses, take off your shoes, you are on holy ground. Now, Moses realized he's talking to a god, but he doesn't know which one. Now, he was raised, of course, in the courts of Egypt, and so he knew hundreds, literally hundreds of Egyptian gods. He was also, I'm sure, familiar with the Canaanite gods and the Hyksos gods and the Midianite gods, because he's living in in Midian. His his father-in-law is a priest in Midian. And so he looks at this bush and he says, tell me your name. In other words, which God are you? He wants to know who this God is, so he knows how to react appropriately. God gives him a very special name. Now, see, in our culture, we typically think God's name is God, right? Because that's what we call him. We call him God. But, but actually, God is just a German word, or comes from a German word, that means the one you pray to. And so there can be lots of gods. So like we talk about Zeus being a pagan god, you know, one of the Greek gods. So a god can be like anyone that people pray to. See, and, and Moses doesn't know which one he's talking to. So God gives His name, the divine name, and God's name is I Am. I Am. In Hebrew, that's spelled with four letters, which we transliterate YHVH. And it's so sacred to the Jewish people that they don't pronounce it. So we're not really entirely certain how it was pronounced. But I am, we know that's what it means because ancient scholars translated that into Greek. So we know what it meant. I am. And then God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Jesus points out that God didn't say, I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Isaac. I was the God of Jacob. He says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And so Jesus says, Don't you see? God is the God of the living. To him all are alive. Now there are two key, two key promises that Jesus gives us in this quick little passage. And that first promise is this: God is your God. He is your God. I am, says, I am your God. I am always with you. I am your God. Now, Bishop Robert Barron, if you ever listen to his, uh, some of his podcasts or uh, read some of his writings, you notice that one of the things he says about this is that when God gives this name to Moses... He is saying that he is not a supreme being, per se, but that he is supremely being. When God says, I am, he is saying that I am all being. St. Thomas Aquinas puts it this way. He says in this passage, God declares himself the true act of to be. The true act of being, the true act of to be. St. Paul puts it this way, he says, God is all and is in all. St. Peter puts it this way, he says, in Him, that is in God, we live and move and have our being. We have a tendency to think of God within inside material terms because we live in a material, material world. And so we think of God that way, that God must be out there somewhere. He's up in heaven somewhere, on a throne. And there is a lot of language in the Bible that that kind of supports that, right? That always talks about God on a throne, but that language is there to try to teach us something about God, but not tell us where God is, because God is everywhere. He is not only everywhere but he is in all things and he not is just in all things he is all things God is all and in all that's the meaning of the incarnation God became flesh God became the stuff of earth God is everywhere and in all things and wherever we are we are surrounded by God's presence, in Him we live, and we move, and we have our being. God says, I am. That is really powerful. When we stop limiting God as thinking He is in some sphere that somehow is separated from us, but that He is in our sphere, or probably better put, We are in his sphere. St. Paul says that we possess all the spiritual blessings in Christ, in Christ. We live in him. That's something to contemplate for a long time. So let me go to the second promise that Jesus gives us in this passage. Because God is, I am, Jesus promises us to God, all are alive. In him, all are alive. Most of us have had the experience of losing loved ones, right? Losing friends, losing parents, losing family members. We've seen the world change, sometimes quickly, in an instant. I've seen hundreds of people die in an instant. But they all are alive in God. In Christ, all are alive. That is the promise of the resurrection, that in God, all are alive. So in this simple name that God gives himself, I am, we know that he is always here. He is always with us. And though there are changes and chances in this life, things happen, some happy changes, some sad changes. But God is always with us. And in the end, We live forever in God. That's the journey that we are on. That is our journey. And the journey and the destination are the one and the same. That we journey in Christ and we are destined to live forever in Christ. For he is all and is in all. And in him we live and move and have our being, now and forever, in this world and in the resurrection. We are completed and only completed in Christ.